Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kel Wyrock, joined by Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. We are the trio here today to talk about fantasy football, this time pertaining to the NFL Draft, which is on Thursday. I feel like all the major NFL offseason events just come and go, and before you know it, the NFL regular season will be here. What are you guys' thoughts? Are you excited for the draft? I am so excited, Kent, and I'm also excited by that like boxing intro you just gave. You like that <laughs> little little shades of buffer there? Yes, that was nice. I I am also very excited. I feel like you know, especially in dynasty leagues, we spend so much time speculating, and finally we can just put those questions to bed in terms of where these guys are going to land. So I'm very excited to see where these rookies go, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today uh, on the show. Absolutely. And before we jump into that, I need to share some exciting news with the listeners. We are now available to be found on Facebook and Instagram. So that Facebook link is going to be facebook.com slash redshirtsffpod. And on Instagram, it is instagram.com. Uh, or you can go by at redshirtsffpod. And you can find us there. And on those new sites, you can find a couple of new articles from our writers, a DK Metcalf preview article by Jordan Richards, and a top five rookie tight ends article by Alex Fan. So go check those out. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our own website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Find us all over the place. So jump out. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's move on over to the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Up first, we have a signing uh, this week. The Bills signed running back TJ Yeldon to a two-year deal. Uh, he will be, yeah, I know, super gross. He's going to be, I, I would guess, assume behind LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore. Uh, do you guys have any other variation of that that you could see happening? Nope. <laughs> it's, it's honestly really confusing because I was hoping I was holding out for Yeldon to go somewhere and be like a one B, let alone a backup. And not only did he not do that, but he didn't even go somewhere where he could be the primary pass catcher in tandem with a not that great pass catcher. Because LaShawn McCoy is an elite pass catching running back, despite the fact that he's obviously very old. So, I don't know what he's going to do there. I guess they just expect one of these guys to die of a heart attack mid-season, so they need the depth. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, too, like, it is, it's funny that we joke about it with their age, but, you know, in all seriousness, LaShawn McCoy has not been a picture of health. So, mid-season, there could be an opportunity for Yeldon to step in and do something there alongside Frank Gore, which I'm never going to predict injury for Frank Gore. That dude is the absolute... Um, stud when it comes to being on the field now at what age 34 35 52 I believe 70 whatever it is um <laughs> yeah so yeah midway through the season he could find some relevance week to week but yeah so disappointing I mean everyone predicted a, a nice landing spot for him in free agency everyone bought him in dynasty leagues and this is just a big letdown so not well, good and you know Early in the offseason, I seem to remember there was some talk about LaShawn McCoy getting traded. I don't know if there's, you know, any 
uh, likelihood of that anymore. Maybe some team will wait and see if they hit on a running back in a draft and then move on uh, to LaShawn McCoy when his price is a little bit cheaper. So I don't know. There could be some uh, mid to late offseason moves yet for the Bills. We will uh, keep an eye on that situation. But let's move on over to another piece of news. Josh Gordon has, assist, uh, has officially signed his restricted free agent tender. Okada, how are you feeling? Yeah. Oh, listen. This does this. It means almost nothing in regard to the likelihood of him actually playing this year. But what it does mean is that if he does play, it'll be with the Patriots, which makes me glad personally. I still just am holding out for the news of him. Whatever, whatever kind of news we can get that gives us some confidence, he will play. He did post something on Instagram catching a ball in a Patriots jersey. Uh, I think. Uh, I'm not going to speculate. I'm just going to wait for it to happen and then be excited. Wait, wait! You can't, you can't just leave it at that. What do, what do you think's going to happen? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, nothing. <laughs> I, I don't want to get ahead of myself with Josh Gordon because I'll get too happy and excited, and then something bad will happen, like it always does. So you I'm know, just going to hold think, out. I think Okada would put Josh Gordon in the Hall of Fame right now if, if he if he Facts. wanted to. <laughs> if Okada had a vote, he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. For first Okada. ballot, absolutely. Um, I do. I do hope he gets back to the field and uh, healthy, physically and mentally. I, I really do hope that for him. I wish him the best as a person, and uh, he's fun to watch play football. So that's it's as simple as that for me. In all seriousness, before we move on, what is the actual legal situation? Is he suspended for a whole year? Is it indefinite? I don't even remember at this point. There was yeah, yeah. no real details on this, if I can remember correctly. Go go ahead, Okada. Right. I think he was on. He's on an exempt list or something like that, but he could come off at any time. So I want I my understanding is it's more of like an evaluation of him and how he's doing determines what happens with him towards the season. So if there are signs of improvement, whatever that means, I think there's a good chance he could play. Good call. All right. Well, let's move on. We got one little piece of draft related injury news. So I'm using the drop. Doctor, doctor. We're going to look at Bryce Love. He is a running back, and he's in this year's NFL draft. Uh, he has a surgically repaired knee, and apparently it has been raised uh, has raised red flags, according to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. Betts, what do you know about Bryce Love, his injury history, and why he kind of fell from graces uh, from last year because of that? Yeah, Bryce Love, I mean, it really is a tale of two seasons compared to his runner-up Heisman year in 2017 and then 2018. Um, it was a down year overall and then ended up tearing the ACL in his right knee in the very last game of his college career, which you know is a real bummer, of course, because of the timeline. Um, so entering this offseason, he's behind the eight ball compared to everyone else in this draft because he isn't able to do what everyone else is doing in terms of preparing for the combine, their pro day, obviously draft day, and then whatever team selects them, the offseason program and training camp. Bryce Love is going to be behind in all of those aspects and actually didn't even do anything at the combine um, or pro day except for bench press. So he hasn't done anything on the field for these teams to see. It really is going to negatively hurt his draft stock. Um, and that's even before, you know, quote unquote, the red flags were raised. Um, and what that's pointing to is basically uh, these players that are injured go back to Indianapolis after the draft for medical rechecks. He was one of those guys, and apparently some of the doctors that evaluated him uh, were concerned about some of the stiffness that he still has in his knee, which is not uncommon after an ACL surgery. 
you know, you always want to be able to regain that range of motion, but there's differences between each person, between each athlete in terms of how quickly they heal, how quickly their range of motion comes back, all those kind of things. And, you know, I'll just put it simple. Um, if your knee doesn't move the way that it used to before surgery, you are not going to move the way you used to before surgery. So he definitely has to get this sorted out. Um, and again, I think draft capital, if he goes undrafted, I think it points to trouble for his future in the NFL because he's going to be struggling to make a roster. And if he gets taken at least like on the third day, he's got a shot. So that, that means a lot in terms of his future in the NFL. Yeah, uh, that's a good point, and it's kind of you know playing into obviously his draft stock right now. He he probably would have been a first or second round running back, and now he's fourth, fifth, maybe later. Uh, a lot of people are really scared uh, of how this could affect his uh, production in the NFL. So it's uh, completely reasonable. So with that being said, let's talk about some NFL draft day landing spots. <laughs> Oh, mm, yes. The pick is in, Kent. The pick is in. Um, I tell you what, for this segment, we're not going to be making any direct picks. We might have some suggestions, but the real idea of this segment is that we're going to talk about current NFL teams and where they have holes on their rosters uh, where we could see some fantasy, uh, let's say, like shift in production uh, based on where they are now and where they will be after the draft. So they have a big gaping hole uh, of an offensive position, and we're trying to figure out who or what type of archetype of player could land there. So I'll tell you what, Okada, I will dish it over to you. Up first, which uh, spot position combo do you think uh, is the most intriguing for this draft? All right, so there's quite a few, especially at the wide receiver position, but because there's so many at the wide receiver position, I decided to pivot to running back for my number one because this is probably my favorite spot for fantasy coming out of this draft as long as they invest into it. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going for a running back. Now, they're not going to pick one in the first round because they have the fifth pick and that's way too high for anyone in this draft. But they also have a early pick in the second round that could be the place that they grab somebody. And listen, the last time we saw Bruce Arians coaching in the NFL, he had a certain David Johnson smashing fantasy. I've heard of him. So, yeah, you remember him. In fact, we haven't seen him do anything since he left Bruce Arians, really. But uh, he's still very, very talented. The point is, Arians absolutely capitalized on his talent and I think that means he will be able to capitalize on the talent of a good running back if they can get one. The problem is right now they don't have one because they've got Peyton Barber, who's a butter sandwich, and <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Ronald Jones, who was one of the worst busts we've seen, at least for the rookie season. Well, there's some bits of hype, yeah. Uh, but, but wait... Uh- Okada, the Buccaneers signed Andre Ellington this offseason. Oh, of They're set. Yeah. A former Bruce Arians uh running back, actually. It, it was that was CJ. like a- almost immediately after Bruce Arians was announced as a head coach, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. My point remains, Ken. They have <laughs> no one on their roster that can be relied upon as a RB1 in fantasy. And we kind of talked about it briefly. Uh, maybe a couple pods ago, how they have such good weapons. I think it was last pod, actually. 
But the one thing they're missing is an elite running back or even just a strong RB1. So if they can get that, I think it would be huge for fantasy. I would love to see Josh Jacobs fall all the way out of the first round and to them at 39, which is where they sit in the second round. I think that would be really, really good. But there's a couple other guys that have mixed skill sets, which is what I'd want to see go there, that I think would be immediate RB2 potentially for fantasy. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you, man. They they need to address the running back position. I mean, you just said their de- their depth chart. It's it's pretty gross. Um, I've got two questions for you guys, and one's for you specifically, Okada. Ooh. What is a better butter sandwich? Is that toast or is that <laughs> no, no, different? No, no, no. Toast is great. A butter sandwich is just you take some bread and you have nothing else to put on it, so you just put some butter, slap on the other piece of bread. It's just like, I mean, this is filling my stomach, I guess, but it just doesn't taste good. <laughs> That's the That's uh, too, Barber. too lazy enough. to go to the store sandwich right there. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. All right. And then my second question is, if they don't spend a high draft capital on a running back, let's say they go day three and they take two guys to try to just kind of take a, a dart throw at two guys in, let's say, around like five, six. Does Ronald Jones become a secret buy in Dynasty Leagues for you guys? Uh, I don't want him to be because I just don't like watching him play football. I mean, he was horrendous whenever he touched the football (laughs) last year, regular season, preseason. It just, none of it was good. And I I didn't see a lot of promise there. And I didn't really like him. I mean, I as like, I think middle of the road on him as a prospect. So I don't know. I just don't, I'm not sure he's got it cut out for the NFL right now. Yeah. And my main problem with trying to buy him is I think that anyone who drafted him last year with a first-round pick, rookie first-round pick, and then sees them wait until day three to get anyone else, they're going to be more attached to him than anyone trying to buy him, I think. So I don't think his price will pan out unless you had some incredible confidence that he was actually going to be great in year two, which I really do not have. Yep, and and I... I just wanted to get your guys' temperature on him because, as you guys can recall, I was very, 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 very against Ronald Jones last year, and that obviously still stands after the the rookie season he had. So, um, yeah, they're definitely going to address the position, and Rojo will probably never be what everyone hoped he would. Yeah, I would imagine not. So, uh, Betts, how about we swing on over to you? What position do you think an NFL team could use in this draft? Yeah, for sure. We're going to kick it over to the tight end position. There's a lot of um, solid tight ends in this draft class, as Kent has mentioned before. you got the two Iowa guys in in TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and then Irv Smith Jr. is also really solid. Um, I think the Broncos could utilize the services of one of those guys this year. Mm. Now, granted, they they have a lot of other needs. They they need to address some defensive holes, probably linebacker, Um, but from... A fantasy standpoint and from their offensive standpoint you know they've tried to invest in some tight ends in recent drafts with Jeff Hireman uh, Jake Butt last year Troy Fumagalli and all those guys have struggled to stay on the field so they are really in need of a, a tight end to solidify the position and round out the depth chart I would love to see them go with like a, a TJ Hawkinson at, at 10 um, he's been projected to go top 15 that is Hawkinson and I don't know that it actually is going to happen because everything says Drew Locke is going to, to the Broncos. But 
if they take Hawkinson there, I mean, he's immediately a day one starter. He's well above those guys in terms of talent, um, really well-rounded. And, and as we know, Joe Flacco, historically with his days in Baltimore, where they have 19 tight ends on the roster, loves to use the position. So um, he could easily be a fantasy-relevant uh, starter for, for your fantasy roster um, as soon as week one, if he goes there. I, uh, I happened to swing over to NFL.com's Mock Draft Central, where they have a bunch of analyst mock drafts. Right now it's down to two. I'm guessing everybody's kind of doing their final mocks. But uh, Rhett Lewis, who's one of our hosts over there, has Noah Fant going to them at 10. And Drew Locke is going in the other one. So I think it's not out of the question that they go tight end. And Flacco loves tight ends. So if they don't take Drew Locke there and they take a a tight end instead and they let Flacco run out this season at least from a redraft perspective you might have I mean I don't like to go tight end rookies in redraft too often but if it's a guy drafted top 10 overall and he goes to a Joe Flacco offense that's kind of intriguing yeah and I'm kind of with you normally on the tight end uh, progression arc and how they how they you know usually take a couple years but if ever there was a year for it to make sense if they land in a good situation like we're, we're, we're talking about with, with the Broncos or maybe one of these other teams we, we'll bring up here, it's this year. And I think that the top two or three guys are polished enough to contribute day one. And I, I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I love this tight end class. Uh, you listed the top guys, but there's tons of middle-tier guys that are great pass catchers too. Sternberger, Knox, uh, Caleb Smith's pretty good. There's, there's tons of guys in this draft class, and I'm super excited for it. Um, and I think the Broncos is a good landing spot. Uh, I, I have a question. Did you say uh, you don't really think Jake Butt is going to uh, step forward at all? I, I kind of liked him as a prospect and didn't – I think he had an injury, if I'm not mistaken. Multiple injuries. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's had multiple ACL injuries. I want to say three now dating back to college. Is Two it and that one many? One and the other. Um, so he's just struggled. I mean – Barely saw the field Ooh. because of injury, and, and I believe it was the bowl game his last year at Michigan where he injured the ACL. And so, you know, they drafted him, but they were understanding that with the draft capital that they put in him, it wasn't going to be year one. And so, yeah, his career arc has been delayed a lot by injury. Wow. I did not, I actually didn't realize he had that many ACL tears. So that's kind of shocking. All right, well, I guess I will swing on over to one of my selections here, and I'm also going to talk about running back. This time I'm going to talk about the Bears, though. They recently traded Jordan Howard over to the Eagles, leaving behind uh, Tariq Cohen and Mike Davis. Uh, I guess you could argue about which one is the quote-unquote one based on early down work and stuff like that. I, I really don't see this backfield being solidified with just those two guys I think they need someone who you know and they got rid of Jordan Howard so you wouldn't think you want someone like Jordan Howard but I really do think they need a a bit of a pounder a bit of a big guy uh, who can come in and the Bears have been meeting with I I think like more running backs than every other team combined if I'm not mistaken uh, for their NFL draft visits so they are clearly going to draft a running back in this class and as far as names that I think could go here, I think they were looking with guys that would probably land in the third round where their first draft pick is this year. They've given up their first and second round pick for the Khalil Mack trade, uh, so they have to wait a little bit to make a selection. But I think, like, 
Uh, I think Rodney Anderson pretty late is a good idea, even though he's got his own injury history. He's really talented. Uh, maybe like a Justice Hill or Alex Barnes. A lot of people have been talking about. He had a really good combine, uh, and he could be a nice late round value for them that kind of replaces that mold. So there are a lot of guys I think that could fit in this offense and do really well. Rodney Smith would probably be my top guy, um, but he has he has more red flags than the other choices, obviously. Yeah, it's interesting because the like you mentioned, the Bears don't have a first or second round pick, so. Their capital this year is not great, but they also don't have that many needs, I don't feel like. They've got a strong-ish wide receiver core with a couple young guys and Allen Robinson. They've got their quarterback. They have a tight end-ish in Trey Burton. Maybe they need to get another one. Uh, They've got Kent's guy, Adam Shaheen, still. (laughs) Um, And obviously, their defense is loaded, so... It, it's possible, I guess, that they could swing for one of these guys. And I I will say that you probably don't want to go into a season relying on Mike Davis or Tariq Cohen to be your lead back, considering neither of them have ever done it in any respect. So certainly if they get a, a first and second down type running back, they could have some value here on a good offense. Yeah, and Ken, just to speak to your point too, you, know, you mentioned there's tons of guys visiting them um, from the running back position. That is an understatement. There has been <laughs> 16 players that have visited the Bears that are running back specifically, which is Ooh. tied actually with the Jets, which is kind of surprising. Um, so they're going to take a running back. I mean, it's guaranteed they're going to take one because, like you said, they, they need one. Their depth chart isn't solidified. Um, I actually do like the Rodney Anderson take. He's a guy, like you said, that you know the injury history, I personally feel like has been so overblown. The thing that it really effects is just his production and his ability to learn the game at the college level and then translate it so his injury history is so fluky I mean neck fracture without nerve damage which is great um not great that he had it but great that there's no nerve damage (laughs) Um, a fractured left fibula and then an ACL tear so there is no correlation there those are Keenan Allen type fluky injuries um so for me the only you know I'll say yellow flag not even red is just the ACL tear um, previously. So if he can overcome that, then I do like Anderson's talent, albeit in a limited sample size in college. Hot hot take here. Rodney Anderson, talent-wise, is the best running back in his class. Mm. You like him better than Jacobs? I do, yes. Interesting. All right. You're I think really he's just got a – I, I am very high on him. I think he's just got a better rounded skill set. Josh Jacobs is pretty solid, but um, – a little bit more of like the pass catching type, uh, and and I just like Rodney Anderson all around better. All right, well, let's circle back to Okada. Give me another one of your uh, NFL team position pairings, if you will. Yeah, so I can't not pick this team and talk about them because number one, they're my team. Number two. They have two huge needs from a fantasy standpoint, so I get to talk about both. And number three, they will create fantasy value for either of these spots if they pick one of them. And it's tight end and wide receiver. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski retired. They do not have the incredible talent that they have had for many, 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 many years at that position. And they're going to want to fill it. And at wide receiver, they lost... Pretty much everybody, 
not that they really had too much. We still don't know what's going to happen with Josh Gordon. So they're basically down to Julian Edelman, uh, a couple other randos like Bruce Ellington and Maurice Harris, uh, and Braxton Berrios, who they signed last year and didn't do any or uh, drafted last year and he hasn't done anything. So they need a red zone threat, hugely, and a downfield threat, ideally. They also lost Chris Hogan. So at tight end, like you mentioned, Kent, there's a lot of good options. I've been mocking Irv Smith to them at the very end of the first round. I would love it if they picked him at the end of the first round. I'm assuming the other two guys, the Iowa guys, are going to be gone. So that would be awesome. But even if not, I would be okay with getting a, a couple of the other guys you mentioned. And then a wide receiver, I'd there are so many big red zone guys at the wide receiver position coming out of this draft class that they could wait to the third round and get someone I'd be pretty happy with. Um, maybe someone like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside would be interesting, which we have an article on uh, the site uh, about him, profiling him. Um, Hakeem Butler is actually my favorite wide receiver in this entire draft. So if they got him somehow, I would be incredibly stoked. I don't think DK Metcalf's going to get to them, and I don't even know how I'd feel about that, but it would be interesting. It doesn't Josh seem Gordon like the kind of guy they would draft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but regardless, whoever they go with at both of those or either of those positions could have really good fantasy value, so I'd love to see them go that direction. When you said J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I almost jumped in and said that because that just seems so right for him to go yep. there. I mean, they need that red zone target in I, I would argue he's probably the best red zone target from the wide receiver position in this draft class. So the fit is there. Um, I think that could be awesome for fantasy with Tom Brady. Uh, do you guys think that Austin Severian Jenkins is done? Or has he just um, kind of been in bad situations for the last couple the of years? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very good point, Betts. That is fair. That is fair. I'll give you that. I mean, he's had some opportunities in short stints but he's never really put together a full season so I'll give you that yeah I think there's a chance he does a little bit of something but not enough to give them confidence heading into this season so I think they want to get a guy of the future so I think that they'll invest decent capital in a tight end okay that's fair <laughs> I'll allow it <laughs> I'll allow it yeah <laughs> um yeah, I, I, I do completely agree. They need a tight end of the future, uh, regardless of whether or not he contributes this year. So uh, I can completely agree that this is a an outstanding year for them to, to put draft capital towards. Filling the ginormous shoes of Rob Gronkowski, both in size and presence. I mean, it's just impossible to replace him, but you, you got to try the best you can, and this is the year to do it. Bets, how about we swing back over to you and you can talk about one of your nice uh, wine and cheese pairings. Mm. Ooh, very nice. Very lovely. Um, yes, so my wine and cheese pairing here is <laughs> the Buffalo Bills and a wide receiver. Um, this is more like a beer and pretzel, I think, than wine and cheese. But. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. A nice heavy beer yes. and a hearty pretzel. Up yep. there for the cold temperatures in, in Buffalo. Um, <laughs> Josh Allen is obviously their quarterback of the future. He needs weapons. And I'm sorry, Zay Jones, John Brown, and Cole Beasley are not that, especially for the future for him to grow with. So they need to address the wide receiver position and get someone that I think is a true wide receiver one for that team. I don't know if they do it with their first pick because they picked ninth overall. But if they do, 
I like DK Metcalf in Buffalo. Um, he's a guy who, the, you know, the ceiling is the roof. And like you mentioned, Ken, at the start of the show, Jordan Richards from our team put out a great article about him on the site um, and basically said, you know, he's so raw. And I agree, he needs to be able to grow into an NFL wide receiver. So I think the first year could be a bit of a struggle. But long term, I like that pairing because, you know, uh, Josh Allen, as we know, the arm strength is there. The deep ball is there. Um and DK Metcalf fits that skill set for his quarterback. He's a very, very good deep threat receiver. He's great in the air when the ball's in the air at tracking it and, and getting in those long receptions. Um, the good, you know, my ball mentality. So I would like to see them draft a wide receiver one for Josh Allen. Um, another guy that I would like there is if they waited on a wide receiver and maybe they went day three to address the position with a couple of guys. I actually like Emmanuel Hall. He's a receiver out of Missouri, um, 43940. Average more than 23 yards per reception over his last two college seasons. So he's another great deep threat and I think could fit that mold too. So uh, I like both of, the, both of those guys to land in Buffalo. I like I, I like uh, Emmanuel Hall as a, as a late round target. That's a good, that's a good call. I, I tweeted out my final first round mock draft where I did a bunch of fun trades and whatnot. But one of the results was DK Metcalf to the Bills at number nine. So I am 100% on board with that. Uh, it not only is he a potentially elite deep threat, but he's also massive with a big wingspan, which means that your inaccurate quarterback is helped a little bit by a guy who can snag balls from three feet away when you miss completely because you're Josh Allen. So <laughs> I think that's a really good uh, potential landing spot there. It would be interesting to see how quickly he becomes fantasy relevant, uh, but it could be could be decently quick and i think it would help josh allen as a fantasy option i think I'm, i think josh allen's gonna be moving up my boards guys i don't know my qb rankings i don't know if i can stop it i'm gonna try i've been trying to stop it but i think he might <laughs> close it on qb1 range soon <laughs> well dude he's in that meaty chunk of quarterbacks this year that's just you can't i feel you can't go wrong i mean seriously it feels that good this year for quarterback depth um as far as the Bills and the wide receiver, they need one. And I think you're right. Cole Beasley, uh, not the future. John Brown, probably not the future. A fun receiver, but definitely not the future. Zay Jones, not the future, I don't think. I mean, he's got some potential. He, had, he showed some flashes last year. But they, they need someone else there. And I, I would imagine that I think in the second round seems like a good spot for them to grab someone if they, if they catch someone falling, maybe like A.J. Brown or Marquise Brown. One of the Browns, they're just going to get – uh, one of those guys named Brown, and um, I feel like it's a good spot for them. And they're they're both very talented. And I actually have them projected in the first round, so they would they would have to fall a little bit for that to work out. But uh, I think this is going to happen. I think this is an extremely good call that the Bills need everything in their power to support Josh Allen. And drafting a wide receiver is probably the best thing you can do for that. One hundred percent. I would I would love. The upside that those two guys, I mean, you think about last year, everyone's knock on Allen was, yeah, the upside's there, but he's inaccurate. I'm not sure if he's going to translate. DK Metcalf is the same story. He's a freak of nature athlete, could be amazing in the NFL, could also be terrible. Um, so if both of those guys reach their ceilings, I mean, you're looking at a amazing combination for years to come. All right. Um, I got one more pairing here, and you know, for how often we trash tight ends, uh, and how often I talk about 
how good this tight end class is. You should be shocked that another team needs a tight end hole filled. And this time we're going to talk about the Raiders. Um, John Gruden and uh, Tom McShay are going to be looking to improve their roster this year with a lot of draft draft capital. I mean, they seriously have firepower in the draft this year, and I think that with how good the tight end class is, they're going to be able to fill that gap pretty easily. And they, you know, they lost Jared Cook last year, who had 101 targets. I believe that's the most targeted player on the on the Raiders last year. And on their roster currently, they have a combined 107 targets. Or excuse me, no, even worse than that, a combined 107 snaps on their roster oh. in terms of tight ends. Oh boy! Excuse me, that was a yeah, that was a, a slip of the tongue there. But they need a tight end desperately. The ones they have on the roster are mostly blocking tight ends. They don't really do much pass catching at all. Uh, no one that could possibly be a threat to a name like Noah Fant, T.J. Hawkinson, Irv Smith, even even the middle guys, Knox and uh, Sternberger. I think they would all instantly, and I mean instantly, be the tight end one uh, on this team right now. So I would be very excited fantasy-wise uh, for a tight end landing in Oakland. Yeah, I, I'll i be honestly decently surprised if they don't come out of that first 35 picks we'll even say because they also have an early pick in the second round four picks in that first 35 if they don't come out of that with a new tight end I will be pretty shocked in my mock I gave them Noah Fant which would be awesome but any number of other guys they could be one of the teams who goes up and gets uh, uh Hawkinson early with one of their earlier first round picks so yeah it's gonna be good <laughs> They've got A.B. and they've got Tyrell, so they have better pass catchers than they had last year already. So I don't know if this whoever they bring in will have necessarily a Jerry Cook 2018 type season, which is an embarrassing <laughs> thing to put up as a metric. But they're going to get some production out of him, and in Dynasty especially, I think they could be valuable. Yeah, and Ken, I didn't want to interrupt you because you were on a roll there. I think you I mentioned... Yeah, yeah, I already, I already know. I already <laughs> yeah, know. As yeah, soon yeah. as I said it, I was like, "Wait, that's not right." Mike that's Mayock, right. obviously, Mike is Mayock, who I meant. Yes. Yeah, and they don't need TV scouts. Guys. They don't need scouts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Send them home. <laughs> Send the scouts home. I'm good here. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, oh, I, I do like that pick as well. I, I think that um, when you look at like what Jared Cook did with John Gruden, I mean, granted he was the only option in town, but he's Jared Cook for crying out loud. I mean, he's not the talent that these top tier guys are and Okada mentioned it four picks early in this draft with those first two rounds. I mean, if they don't leave without a tight end, that's an absolute failure from that front office and, and from Mayock and Gruden, I think personally. So uh, I would love to see a tight end land there. All right. Well, tell you what, we got time for one more and I see a couple more on Okada's list. So let, let's go ahead and get one more from Okada. Uh, pick your favorite or your two remaining ones here. And we could chat, chat about it real quick. Oh, boy. Well, this is tough because I put a couple landing spots for wide receivers that I like, but I'm kind of thinking of pivoting to a different running back team. And it's a nice little transition because it's the team you were just talking about, Kent, which is the Raiders. Mm. They, as we just mentioned, have tons of top-end draft capital, which gives them kind of the leeway to actually spend it on a running back when that might not normally be necessarily a great move. And 
with there's one thing we know about John Gruden and his offenses. There's not that much we know, but he loves to pound the rock. He loves to have a guy in an old-fashioned manner that just smashes the ball into the defense. And they don't have that really right now. They have Isaiah Crowell, who they signed to a one-year deal for a pittance. So I don't think they expect too much out of him. They're Marshawn Lynch, we don't know what's happening with him. I don't think, honestly, he's going to be coming back. Doug Martin's not coming back that we know of. Um, and then they have the pass catcher. Jalen Richard. Yes, thank you. Jalen Richard. So I think with one of these top 35 picks, there's a decent chance they go out and they get one of the reliable, not necessarily flashy or high upside guys, but someone that they that Gruden feels confident in giving 15-plus carries and a couple receptions maybe a game. I'm thinking someone like David Montgomery or Damian Harris. Potentially, Montgomery is out of Iowa State, and he has been a massive bell cow in college. So he he's certainly shown the ability to tote the rock in that kind of level. And then Damian Harris was the guy that Josh Jacobs kind of surpassed, if you will, quote-unquote, at Alabama towards the end of last year. But... He was very rock steady, kind of running back, and Jacobs was sort of a flashy compliment to him. Um, so either of those guys, or potentially even a later in the draft uh, third round pick, I suppose high high third round pick, could have some value for them uh, out in Oakland. Yeah, I would like, I like to the, see. I like that oh, David Montgomery call. What I was going to say is, you know, he he's a guy who, when you look at prospects. Um, for me, I like to see the production in college, and he fits that mold. I mean, like you said, Okada, back-to-back years, 258 and then 257 carries, um, which is a huge workload, over 1,100 yards each season. So um, he's done it with a full workload, and I think that that could be in the cards if he would land in Oakland. And, and I like that landing spot a lot because, like you said, the depth chart isn't scary, and there could be an immediate opportunity for fantasy production there. I uh I would like to throw kind of a middle tier guy like a third rounder. Uh Daryl Henderson would be an outstanding guy to land in Oakland as well. Uh he has a combined four hundred thirty one carries in his college career over uh basically two and a half seasons. He kind of got a half workload in twenty sixteen. Uh played for Memphis. He had twenty two touchdowns on the ground last year. Uh, I think he fits the bill really well here. That's a good call. Also my potentially favorite i haven't officially decided but one of my favorites potentially my number one favorite running back is miles sanders out of penn state who backed up saquon barkley which normally when you're a backup who only gets one season as a starter because your previous starter leaves for the nfl you think oh that's not that great he couldn't pass a college guy on his own team but when that guy is saquon barkley it's okay you can excuse it so miles sanders had a really great combine I think he would be a reliable RB2, uh, as in also not RB number two. Although, if he went to Oakland, he might be an RB2. So there you go. <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah, I like that choice a lot as well. Um, really solid. Picked up the slack in, in the wake of Barkley. So um, I think he'd be a good oh, fit. I, I looked at it the other day, actually. They had almost the exact same rushing production in their senior, in their last years at Penn State. Sanders and... Uh, Barkley. Barkley is obviously a much better pass catcher because he's one of the best. But his numbers, if you go look at them from a rushing standpoint, are are eerily similar. And Sanders actually forced more missed tackles than Saquon Barkley did on the same number of carries. So he's good. 
So you're saying Saquon Barkley is a system running back. Oh! <laughs> or I'm saying Miles Sanders is elite. One no. of those two things is true. <laughs> I agree with you. It's it's not what I said. It's what you said for no. sure. That was 100% yeah. a joke. That was not serious. Saquon Barkley is amazing. Um, Everyone, yeah, Sanders, you can, you, five-star recruit, <laughs> Mr. Pennsylvania um, for football, which is a huge mm. honor. So, yeah, is I that mean. like a beauty pageant thing? Yes, exactly. It is. Good looks, too. <laughs> Um, so yes, the talent is there for sure. He's going to succeed, I, I believe, in the NFL. And if you want to berate bets on Twitter, you can find him at the Fantasy PT and tell him, uh, you know, why Saquon Barkley is not a system running back. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, my mentions are going to blow up. Listen, I'm a State <laughs> fan, so I freaking love Saquon Barkley. That was a joke. Do not come at me, please. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up the draft landing spots. Let's, um, we got, I'll tell you what, we ended early, uh, which like never happens for us. So let's just wrap a little bit about the draft this year. I know myself and Okada have a prepared mock draft already for the first round, but bets, feel free to jump in with any ideas that you have. And I know you're going to make one here, uh, sometime before Thursday evening. So what Okada, uh, what is your boldest take? It could be a trade, a pick, anything like that. What is your bold take for this uh, NFL draft? Okay, well, it's not – or I have two. Do I have to pick one? Um, well, we'll get around to it. Okay, I'll, I'll go with this one first because it's the more fantasy-relevant one. And it's what I mocked at 8 and 9 to the Lions and Bills back-to-back Ole Miss wide receivers. A.J. Brown to the Lions and D.K. Metcalf to the Bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about Metcalf, but I think A.J. Brown is probably one of the most NFL-ready wide receivers coming into this class, and he's been comped to Golden Tate somewhat. Oh, okay. And we saw what happened to Matthew Stafford when he lost Golden Tate. I think they need a slot guy. I, I would be... I don't I don't imagine that they'll go this way because they have a lot of other needs. But if they did, I think it'd be really cool to have back back Ole Miss guys, and I think both of these guys would have fantasy value in those spots. Yeah, that's super interesting. I don't know if I've seen AJ Brown that high yet. I, I, I'm not really against I it. I have not. Uh, yeah, that's it. That is a hot take, and I like that one. Um, I just pulled up mine here. Uh, first, I'm going to give you a non fantasy one. I just I had this in here because I could possibly see this happening. I have the Atlanta Falcons trading up, and I see you did too to get Ed Oliver. I had them going to number three for Quinnen Williams, and I think that would – they would go all in, uh, try and get the last couple years out of Julio, try and get, you know, last couple really good years out of Matt Ryan, uh, use their productive rookies and and all that other stuff, and I think they would go for it this year, and a big trade-up could be a piece for them – to kind of bring their 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 defense that was super injured last year, bring it back to relevancy, and I, I think they'd go for it. Yeah, and actually, you on see, that's go ahead. It's go ahead. Uh, it's we don't talk beforehand. We just great minds think alike. You know, <laughs> we is, we can't help it. We both have the Falcons trading up for a DT. How crazy is that? Hey, yep. maybe, no, sorry, maybe that's ahead. true. Yeah, and and on paper, their defense is solid. I mean, they were just ravaged by injury last year. Um, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, I can't even think off the top of my head, probably other guys. I mean, on paper, they're going to be pretty good. So uh, if they do add a defensive tackle, that even makes them more of a a strong defense, in my opinion. So I actually don't mind that take. Not sure how realistic it is, but 
If it happens, I'm going to give you guys the credit first because you guys called it here on the Red Shirts pod. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, and, you know, they drafted Tack McKinley uh, uh, last year, and I think that I, – I can't recall off the top of my head, but I think they used him a little bit kind of inside, a little bit outside type of a thing and some snaps at uh, outside linebacker and all that. And I, and I think they could kind of rearrange how they use their line a little bit, and, and putting Quentin Williams in the middle would easily free up Tack to be used off the edge – uh, as an edge rusher a lot more. So I would like that. I think that would make him uh, kind of more productive as well. Uh, Betts, do you have any uh, kind of hot takes here about the draft? Not necessarily hot takes, but I'm going to go to my Philadelphia Eagles for this one and and just say they might draft a quarterback late, not because Ooh. that they are necessarily in need of one. Obviously, Carson Wentz is there, but um, – you know, it's been well documented at this point that Carson Wentz has struggled to stay healthy. I still love the guy. I still think he's going to be great in this league. But they just lost Nick Foles, which was their security blanket behind Carson Wentz. And no one's really talking about them as a landing spot for a quarterback. Like I said, not happening round one, probably not happening round two. But in the later rounds, round three, round four, round five, I wouldn't be shocked if they did that because, like I said, Wentz has been struggling to get back on the field. He's still dealing with a stress fracture in his back. Um... And I think that they need to add some depth there behind him to kind of shred up that position because Nick Foles was 100% the best backup in in the NFL. Um, and so I think they might address that position, which might sound like a hot take, but really they need it. Well, I'm confused, Betts. I, I, oh, I thought he was their quarterback one. I'm not responding to that. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, um, don't you do this to me. Oh, uh, just me. a little fun. Just a little fun. <laughs> if, uh, if they do go quarterback late, I would love to see them go get Easton Stick, who is a quarterback <laughs> out of North Dakota State. And he should be playing hockey. <laughs> Carson Wentz came from. What a great name, oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yes, so true. It always makes me think of baseball because I feel like Easton makes bats. Is that true? Well, yes, yes. and they also make hockey sticks. So Easton Stick is literally oh, a hockey stick. So, yeah. He's playing the wrong sport, fellas. Yeah, he should be on. He should be on the uh, the rink, on ice, not on the field. Uh, <laughs> uh, Okada, did you have one more kind of hot takey type uh, thing yeah, for us here? Yeah, well, it's it really interesting because it was kind of in line with yours. Uh, because I have the Falcons trading up. They in my mock they traded to get Ed Oliver. But what's interesting for fantasy is that they traded up to six to get Ed Oliver. And the Giants, therefore, down at 14 with the Falcons pick, take Dwayne Haskins. Which probably won't mean anything immediately for fantasy, but within two years, it could mean that he's their starting quarterback, which would be very interesting, and we can finally bid adieu to Eli Manning, which no one would be sad about. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be sad in the slightest, and I think I had him pegged there for a while. I actually have Daniel Jones going to the Giants right now, so... As much as I don't want him to. In the to. first? In the first, yeah. Ooh. I don't want him to, but I think he will. <laughs> yep. yeah, um, I, I put out a tweet yeah. a couple days ago. I remember you replied to it. I said, who's one guy that's going to go in the first round that shouldn't? And your first answer, Daniel Jones. And I got several Daniel Jones answers. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I, Yeah, I don't see success for him in the NFL. There's a lot of red flags and a lot of work he's going to have to do. But um, the NFL is so you know, hungry and, and starved for quarterback depth and for players to fill in that position. So he's going to go there. He's going to get paid a lot of money for no good reason, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and one other spot, and actually, I almost brought this up in the uh, the holes portion of the show. The Ravens need a wide receiver, and I have them taking, as I've talked about before on the show, Nikhil Harry uh, at number twenty-two in the first round. And like I said, he would pair with Willie Sneed really well and instantly have targets going his way. There's no one else there that that would even sniff trying to steal targets away. Uh, it would be a great situation, even though it's Lamar Jackson. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that a couple episodes yeah, ago. I remember we had a mailbag yeah. that said, I think the question was, if he lands there, that's Nikhil Harry, is he no longer in contention for the 101? And Okada, you and I said, no way. And Kent, you said, yes, absolutely. Kent, you oh, yes, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. He's my favorite player in this draft, uh, offensively speaking. Interesting. Nice. Uh, Uh, One other one that I have, by the way, Kent, is that the Steelers trade down, the Chargers trade up to their spot, and the Steelers trade down and end up taking Marquise Brown, which would be so funny because he's Antonio Brown's cousin. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they need another wide receiver. They're down to now Juju and I guess James Washington, which we don't know too much what he'll be. Don't they have Dante Moncrief now? Ah, what? What? Come on! <laughs> not interested. Listen, Marquise Brown. It, Marquise Brown is going to be one of the most interesting players coming out of this draft for fantasy purposes. By the way, so it's nice, yep. maybe useful that I brought him up, and it's really going to depend where he goes. How he looks literally physically coming out of the draft and into his into training camp because he is a tiny, tiny person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in the combine he weighed in at 166, which is not That's large. So small. God. And when you even when if you look at film, he just looks so tiny. And he's playing out there with Kyler Murray, who looks small on his own, and Marquise Brown just looks like a child. But he's extremely fast. <laughs> he's a very good receiver, so if he, I don't know, gains 15 pounds and is good enough to run away from cornerbacks instead of through them, then he could be really useful for fantasy. Yeah, and one other thing to consider, too, with him is that Liz Frank injury, um, mm. which I feel like is kind of being swept under the, under the rug with him. I mean, most years when a, a player enters the NFL draft and they have a significant injury that altered their season the year before or altered their offseason season it usually raises some yellow flags or even red flags um, for these NFL teams. And every mock that I've seen has him going in the like the teens of the first round. So there's got to be something going on there that's perplexing that because, you know, typically we see those guys fall off. They're not projecting that for him. So I think he's going to go in round one. I'm actually kind of surprised because the research shows that um, Liz Frank injuries – specifically for NFL players and rugby players, there's a, a decent amount of drop-off in production in terms of games played at the next level, in terms of performance on the field, comparing pre-injury to post-injury. So I don't get it. I, I mean, honestly, the research speaks for itself. I don't know that, that Marquise Brown is going to have a super productive year coming off the list, Frank, especially year one. I think dynasty leagues he's probably going to be a, a guy to buy low next year because i don't see that he's he does much if we go by what the research says in terms of his first year in the nfl uh two quick things one i had heard and i think this was maybe playing into what you were talking about with how he's not falling i had heard that at that 
re-examination medical thing that you you mentioned in the beginning of the show i don't remember exactly what you called it but that doctors were saying that they had little concern about his foot so maybe that was part of it so i was curious your thoughts about that and then my other question is can you just tell us briefly what this liz frank injury is because (laughs) i know it has derailed wide receivers before and i'm curious yes the the liz frank injury um is some guy in history that was a medical professional's name who discovered and named the injury um i gotta i gotta get a bets injury in here man um, yeah one well, day. that's probably not a good thing but. no it's not uh but essentially it's an injury to the midfoot so your joints of your of your foot um there's a lot of them that make them up there's a ton of bones in the foot and you can kind of separate the foot into the forefoot the midfoot and the rear foot so basically if picture underneath your arch the bones that are connected there by ligaments get stressed and you can have um, a wide variety of types of injuries to the liz frank joint it's either a fracture or um, a ligament injury or a fracture dislocation, so it can range from you know not that bad to career-ending, um, and they are they're all called Liz Frank injuries. So we don't really know exactly for Hollywood mm. Brown what's going on. It sounds like based off those medical rechecks, it's not one of those obviously um, career-threatening type of injuries. Typically, those respond pretty well. Uh, the the mild ones that is to surgery they're not a great rehab candidate they do better with surgery and, and obviously that was the case too with with uh, Hollywood Brown well hey that's uh that's some insightful stuff there uh thanks Betts for that that's good insight but tell you what that's gonna be a wrap on the show but before we go we want to let you know once again about our brand new sponsor Trophy Smack uh, Betts do we have our referral link all set up yet it is coming. It is, it coming. is coming. I've been in okay. contact coming soon. Um, with Matt, who's awesome over there with those guys. We have it set up on our website right now. So if you go to redshirtsfantasyfootball.com um, and the tab that says more, you go there and it says sponsors, Trophy Smack is listed. There's a link that you can click to then go to their site. So that is active. We do not have a code specifically to plug in quite yet, uh, but that is coming soon. All right, awesome stuff there. And also, I just want to let everyone know, we are still looking to add maybe two or possibly three more writers to our writing staff. We have a bunch of uh, awesome guys who have been jumping in, writing articles for us, putting those out. We've been talking about them on the show. Uh, Really positive stuff there on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. You can also go to the site and look on the right side of the menu, click the drop-down menu labeled More, and then click Write for Us, and you can submit the form and let us know why you're interested in writing. So we would love to hear from you, and uh, we look forward to it. But, gentlemen, the draft is uh, two days away. Incredible. I'm I'm so hyped for it. Uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next time we get together. Uh, Any last-minute comments? Uh, do you guys both have Kyler Murray going number one to the Cardinals? I do, yes, but I, I don't do. have the Cardinals picking him. Oh, what? Kent, what do you mean? I have the Raiders trading up for oh, him. Oh my goodness. I have them trading one and 27 and then some, I don't know, background change to get up to number, or excuse me, four and 27 background change to get up to number one, take Kyler Murray wow. and, uh, I think Gruden will get his guy and can go forward with him oh, and wow, kind of wow. figure out something else with Carr. Really late in the show Very for a hot take. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, what we went through the hot take portion of the show and you didn't <laughs> mention that the number one overall pick would get traded for. That's a good point. I've, I've just been hearing so many stories about Kyler Murray at this point that uh, nothing is really new to me anymore. Mm. So 
Uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out in two days' time. Very excited. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Again, make sure you go onto redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Uh, hey, enjoy the draft, and once again, we are the Redshirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.